Happy New Year! We said it already, but we can still say it, at least for today. <laughs> I hope you had a good beginning. Uh, you didn't overdo it yesterday or the night before. We've got quite a year ahead of us, don't we? We're not quite sure where things are going to go. None of us knows where things are going to end up. Fortunately, though, as Christians, what do we know? We don't need to fear the future because we know something that much of the world does not. Even if we don't know all the details, we don't have to fear the future. Why? Because we know who holds the future. Our very wise, caring, and loving God. Now, I take great comfort in knowing God wants more for us than merely to survive and exist. In our current culture right now, people are struggling just to make ends meet and to get along, not knowing what's coming, and we're in a whole new world. God wants more than merely for us to survive and merely exist. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to be positive. He wants us to be a role model to the world around us in which we live. He even says as such, love this passage from Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He's talking to each one of us. He says, I got you figured out, buddy. I got your number. And he says, I've got plans for welfare and not for evil. Welfare there being talking about for good, for things that are positive. To give you a future and a hope. I think it's a fabulous section for us to look at as we begin this new year. Well, while we adjust to this new set of days we call... Uh, 2022. Are you used to that yet? You know how your checkbook's going to go for the next month? Still going to say 2021, isn't it? The way we do that. I want to focus on something I feel I think is pretty helpful for us to have a successful beginning to our new year as we face it. If we intend to move forward in our sometimes scary world. What I'm talking about is actually courage. Courage. How can we be courageous when we don't feel courageous. Where do we get that courage to do what needs to be done? How can we get that strength needed to overcome crippling fear? Now, maybe you, like me, enjoy watching the annual, at least annual, Wizard of Oz movie on TV. Shall we do the dance? We're off. Well, we can say the words by heart, but I still love to see that thing. It's just so much fun, and I, I like the happy ending. And I especially like the cowardly lion. I like him. He growls a good game, doesn't he? But he is a total chicken at heart. I, I enjoy him because I can relate to him. You know, sometimes my outward doesn't always match my inward. How about you? Can you relate to that one? So when I hear someone showing courage instead of cowardice, I find myself saying, boy, oh boy, that's what I want to be like. I wish I had more courage. I don't want to cave in under difficult circumstances and compromise my convictions or give up on difficult challenges. I don't want to be a, a coward. I want to be roar, courageous. Now, isn't it a shame that about the only time we hear uh, about courage is when someone does some extreme act of heroism that attracts media attention? And, and that's fine. That's a good thing, Ashley. 
you know, carrying an old woman out of a burning building, diving into an icy pond to save a drowning child, risking gunfire while dragging a buddy to safety. I mean, I love those stories. But they seem bigger than life. They seem dramatic because they are. Kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Never seem to happen to ordinary folks like you and me, though, do they? But you know, the older I get, the more I understand that it takes a great deal of courage simply to face life's ordinary, everyday challenges. Would you agree with that one? You know, the body aches and pains, the finances, the school pressure, the political pressures. Oh, just to make it from morning till night sometimes drains us. And we also, every single day, have to make choices that show which side is winning in our lives. The courageous or the cowardly. We choose between the right thing, the godly thing, or perhaps the convenient thing. What other folks are doing, or at least implying we ought to be doing, thinking, or saying. We choose between sticking to a conviction or caving in for the sake of comfort or greed or approval. Have you ever heard people say Christianity is for weak people, cowards, quiche eaters? <laughs> well, I have, and by the way, I like quiche. Uh, and I've always been fascinated by that accusation because in my experience, the exact opposite is true. It takes a great deal of old-fashioned courage to be a Christian. For you to be here this morning is a courageous act in our culture right now. It takes a lot of courage actually to become a Christian, to start out that process. I mean, for one thing, the Bible says to become a Christian, you have to own up your own sins before a holy God. That's not easy to do. And we start every one of our services the same, whichever contemporary, modern, or traditional. We start out with an acknowledgement that I'm a sinner. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee. We did it this morning. And we'll do it again next week and the week after that. Well, we're so used to it, we don't think about it. But that's really a big deal because people don't like to admit that they're wrong, that they've sinned, that they've done things that are contrary to, to God's desires for us. Too many folks cave in to the, their fears and say, you know, I just can't do it. I can't admit my mistakes, my sins. That'd make me look weak. It'd be too embarrassing, too humiliating. So, mm -mm -mm, I'm going to put on this good front. And they say ridiculous things like, who, me, a sinner? Oh, not sin, not me. Now, Harry, Harry, he's awful. And Mary, oh, Mary, 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 she's wicked. But, you know, I, I live a pretty good life. Oh, I maybe make a few minor mistakes in judgment. No big deal. But, you know, no one's perfect. But not many, mind you. Nothing serious. When I hear that kind of response, I, I have the strong urge to say I don't. But I'm thinking, pal, you know, you're gutless. You know what you should do, but you're too chicken to do it, to admit your true condition the situation you are in. You don't have the guts to tell God the truth about who you really are. <laughs> I also want to add, you know, if you're too chicken to repent, then please don't ever say that a Christian is a weak person. Because apparently, it's for folks with more courage than you have. <sighs> so 
So it takes courage to become a Christian in a world that is ever becoming more anti. It's one of the reasons we're going to be doing this Bible study series beginning next week of Christians in a woke world, because that's where we find ourselves today. And as you interact with your neighbors, friends, you read the paper, you watch online, you watch the commercials. Commercials are always fascinating to me. I don't like them, but simultaneously, I think they are a phenomenal indicator of our current culture. You want to know what the powers that be are trying to push on us. Look at the commercials. What are they selling? Not only the product, but the implied message. If you use this product, this is what you will be like. And what's the message they're saying we want to be like? Not very nice, much of it. So it takes courage to become a Christian, but I think it takes even more courage to live as a Christian. And I want to give you three examples of what I'm talking about. First of all, it takes courage to follow, doesn't it? It takes courage to follow. There's a bit of trust that goes with it. Do I want to follow this person, this, this uh, philosophy, this country, this direction? Am I going to follow? It takes a bit of courage to do so. You know, over the years, I've been in a lot of retreats where part of the exercises we did were team-building exercises. And one of my faith favorites was known as the trust walk. I'm guessing many of you, if you've been around a little bit, have probably done some of those. You see how they do that? They follow a person. The others are blindfolded. Maybe you've done it yourself. Well, what we would do, and this is over the decades, we've done these trust walks. Uh, we'd blindfold one of the staff and, and have her or him walk through an outdoor maze, relying on other staff members to give verbal directions to help navigate. You know, such thing. Turn left, there's a tree coming. Oh, there's a log in front of you, jump. Some of the staff over the years didn't do real well on following the verbal direction part. They'd, they'd shuffle their feet and kind of walk very slowly, even though their colleagues were shouting that the way was clear. They didn't quite trust their colleagues. And a few, they would go like gangbusters. <laughs> Oftentimes they would trip or bang into a tree or something. All the staff, though, had to fight the urge to tear off that blindfold so they could see what was ahead. So the idea is that it takes courage, a great deal of courage, to follow another person's lead when you don't know where you're going. You've got to trust that they do. And that takes courage. Now, as Christians, we sometimes feel like those blindfolded staff members, don't we? I mean, Paul said that 2,000 years ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight. That'd be the theme for our trust walk. He points out that we're not alone in the woods, though. And that's a good thing. Even though we have to walk blindfolded through life, which we often do. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I'm not sure who's going to win a certain football game tonight, but I'm not keeping track of any of that. We're not promised to know the future, but he does promise in Proverbs 3, 6, God will direct your paths. I like that because I need that. I need to be confident in the one that I'm following. So following Jesus, my friends, demands an enormous amount of courage, trust. And sometimes it's so challenging to do that because of the pressures, whether your own family or at work or wherever you find yourself in school, I want to say, hey, no, 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 no. I think I'll just sit back, crawl back into my shell and play it safe and not let people know I'm a Christian and, and believe in what God says in the Bible. I don't want to do that. I may be uncomfortable when people find that out. And that's when that voice within me says, hey, where's your courage, Neil? Get up. 
walk, you can trust God. And I have to remind myself, oh yeah, he's proved himself over the decades and centuries. He's made it very clear that what he says, he does. Not a lot of folks, but he always does. So if he's telling me this stuff, not only what he's done, but what he wants us to do, do I trust him to believe it? I have to remind myself, uh-huh. You know, cowards, they don't really last very long on a spiritual pilgrimage. They start out big. We got a lot of New Year's resolutions going on now. I suspect that this afternoon, tomorrow and the next days of this week, there's gonna be an awful lot of folks at the YMCA and at the gym and the marsh. And what are they doing? I'm gonna get fit. That's my resolution. Spiritually, I'm gonna make sure and read the Bible. I'm gonna get on a program so I can cover the Bible, read what it says, do some devotionals. Well, cowards, they don't last long on a spiritual pilgrimage any more than a lot of the, the New Year's resolutions last around us. This cowards shrivel up and disappear in our spiritual pilgrimage. So my point is it takes enormous courage to repent, to become a Christian, and it takes great courage to know whom, to whom we belong and want to follow them. To believe that Jesus' death on that cross 2,000 years ago paid the penalty for all my sins. It takes courage to believe that I'm restored to a healthy, loving relationship to that holy and perfect God because of what Jesus did for me by dying on that cross. It takes courage to have faith in something we can't see. And we can't see all that God is, but we can see the results of it. Do I believe it? Am I willing to follow it? That's trust. That's courage. Sex is an example I'm talking about of being courageous. Uh, there's many we could talk about. The second one was I want to share was a little bit about relational courage. You know, I'm, I, I try not to give two cent answers to hundred dollar questions. So when folks ask me what it takes in this particular case to, to build a meaningful marriage, I can say it takes courage. Am I right on that? You know, for a marriage relationship to flourish, there's got to be some intimacy. I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking emotionally and mentally. It takes an enormous amount of courage to say to your spouse, you know, this, is, this is me. I'm not necessarily proud of all that there is and what's going on. In fact, I'm a little embarrassed sometimes by some of it. But this is whom I am. It takes courage to look at your spouse in the eye and say, our marriage is in serious trouble. We've got to do something about it. How do most folks handle those situations? Sad to say, they often put their problems on the back burner, go their own directions, while they pursue their own careers or their own recreations. The marriage disintegrates from a lack of courage. They didn't have the courage to put on the gloves and say, let's go see a marriage counselor. Let's, let's get together with another couple that we respect and who are working at their marriage. Let's get some ideas and let's talk about it. Let's lay it out on the table and solve these problems instead of running from them. That takes courage. That's relational courage. It takes an awful lot of courage to fight off that greener grass temptation. You know, looking over there going, hmm, if I was with that person, things would be different. It takes courage to work through layer after layer of masks and cover-ups and defense mechanisms. It takes courage to raise kids too, doesn't it? You're all going, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
I mean, how often haven't I seen parents backing off from proper discipline because they don't want to endure their kids' disapproval? The little guy throws a tantrum and says, I hate you! And the parents melt and they give in and go, oh. If you want to raise your children the way God intends and wants them raised, you got to have to let sometimes that little tyrant get mad. You recognize that facial expression? I, I think I have a lot of family portraits that have that image in it. Of course, not me as a kid, you know, that, that wasn't the case. But you got to sometimes let that little tyrant get mad. Show some courage and say, you don't intimidate, intimidate me, little one. This is the right thing to do. And what you're going to do. So get over it. Hope you say it kindly, but, you know, you get the point. It takes relational courage to build significant relationships also with friends. We got our spouses and we got our kids and with friends. I mean, to look another person in the eye and say, you know, isn't it about time we stop talking about the weather, the stock market, the football games, and, and start talking about what's going on in your life and mine? Ooh. Isn't it time we became open brothers, sisters, one with another, to encourage, find out what's going on? You know, not many men, particularly men, have more trouble with it than women, it seems. Not many men have the courage to challenge each other, to fight for each other's spiritual and relationship growth. Oh, we'll help the guy out do uh, change oil or haul in some wood or you know, fix a roof. But talk about spiritual things, about family things, about kid things, it doesn't come very easily. Well, I've learned over the years that I'll never be a success in my marriage. I won't be successful with my kids. I won't be successful with my friends without courage. And finally, the last example I want to share is courage to be moral. I like the Boy Scout picture that's there. I was a Boy Scout for a number of years, Eagle Scout, in fact. So I, I like that a lot. But it takes courage to be moral. Now, we can discuss many other kinds of courage, but the one last area of courage I want to com comment on is, is this moral courage, because I think that's one of the most critical things that's happening in our country right now. I mean, how much courage does it take to operate ethically in the business world today, you folks in the business world? It's tough, isn't it? What kind of guts does it take to be honest? Whoa, kind of define honest, what does that mean? I mean, we don't want to offend our customers, right, in the business world. And so we say, the shipment will be there on Monday. Well, we know darn well it won't even leave the warehouse until Wednesday. That's not being honest. We want folks to think that we're honest, and so we say, you know, I report all my income. When in reality, we have a drawer full of unreported check stubs at home. You know what? One of the great days to separate courageous folks? April 15th. <laughs> separates the courageous from the cowards because that's when moral courage hits us in the wallet. Now, how much courage is required to stay sexually pure in a sex-crazed culture? How much is required to stick to the convictions when everyone at the office or at school or in the neighborhood says, you know those values of yours, your moral convictions, this right and wrong stuff? Right and wrong, really? Isn't it kind of depending on the situation only? And they say as they look at you, you know, you're so old-fashioned. You're just so weird. You're a little bit strange. In fact, you're a religious fanatic. And we go, oh, 
Okay, so all those things we're talking about. Question becomes, okay, how do I grow courage? Can I do it? How can I become courageous in a world that doesn't make it easily? Maybe you make a wish, say a prayer, wave a Harry Potter magical wand. Well, part of that formula is correct, and I don't mean the wand part. You do start out by saying a prayer. That's true. Asking God to be with you and to guide you. Did you catch our lessons this morning? Our first one, the Old Testament one, with, was Sam, um, uh, what was the guy's name? Solomon, that's the guy. What did he pray for? God said, hey, whatever you want, buddy, you're the new king, ask. And he prayed for wisdom, for discernment. He wanted to do a good job. And God said, good job, buddy. And because that's what you asked for, I'm going to grant it, but I'm also going to give you a whole bunch of other things. And that's why he became one of the wealthiest men ever to have lived. But he was asking for wisdom. And then our gospel lesson that David read, what was that all about? 12-year-old Jesus in the temple, wasn't it? And he goes into the uh, spiritual big shots and they're talking theology and and they're just amazed because Jesus was, and they stressed the fact, very wise and seeking the wisdom of those elders within the congregation. So you start out in dealing with courage and getting it by asking God to be involved. Don't try and do it alone. Guarantee it ain't going to work. You got to ask God to be with you and then be willing to listen and follow. You ask God to give you the wisdom to identify the right things and then the godly courage to start doing them. The energy and support system to do them. And it's not just pie in the sky. Luke 11, 9 reminds us, ask and it will. You notice that? Not possibly. It says it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Now that answer says it will be given you. That's all true. Sometimes we don't know how he's going to answer or when or why. But we can be confident that he keeps his promise. So he says, you want to get some of that wisdom? Start out by asking for it. But then be willing to listen and be patient in the timing sometimes. Well, that's the first thing is you pray. You secondly grow in courage when you face your crippling fears. Sometimes we think courageous people were born without fear. You know, we look at them and the Mother Teresa's and um, Tutu down in South Africa and some of those big name, high profile kind of folks. No, they weren't born that way. In actuality, courageous folks are ordinary folks like you and me who began at some point to face their fears rather than running from them. I can guarantee it's not fun. Sometimes it's very challenging and sometimes you're going, what am I doing? I don't want to go there. And yet every fear that you face and overcome becomes a building block. Each success gives you a new sense of confidence, and success builds on success. That's why I love this section from Deuteronomy 31.6, where we're told by God looking at us, Moses is sharing this with the folks back then, and we hopefully pick up a few thoughts from it. What does he say? He says, don't be afraid or terrified because of them. Meaning, he's talking about culture. Talking to these Jewish folks of what they're facing. He's saying, they're putting the pressure on you. They're turning the screws. That, uh-uh-uh, you don't have to be afraid because of them. So for us, that's very applicable in our world. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. And then he tells us why that's true. 
For the Lord your God goes with you. Who does? My buddies, my friends, my family. God goes with you. And he's not just any old wimpy God of the foreign worlds. He's a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, I love it. He's no fair weather fan or support system. So you pray, you, you, you ask God to be part of it, you listen. And then thirdly, you grow in your courage as you surround yourself with good role models. Good role models. Now, that's why all of you here are great role models. The fact that you're here this morning, 17 below, you may not be real smart, but you know you're here. You know, those of you listening at home and watching, I hope you're warm and cozy. You know, that's good, but it still would be nice to have you here. But it's nice to surround yourself with good role models. A part of that is going to be get that donut and coffee, right? Go downstairs and be a role model, enjoy the role model, and wipe your mouth when you're done with your donut. Okay. Yeah, we want role models. Surround yourself with folks that are following godly choices. St. Paul, talking to the folks back in Greece, in, in Corinth, um, he, he laid it out, and it's true. And I, I'm guessing that many of you parents have said a version of this. Bad company ruins good morals. That's 2,000 years ago. Is it true today? Yep. You know, who you hang with, it does make a difference. If you want to know a little bit of, what, what do your parents always ask? You know, who is, who are you going to be, who's going to be at this party? Who's going to be there? What are they like? You say, well, Billy and Susie and George and, and Gertrude. And they go, oh, I don't think you're going to that party. There's a reputation. There's that moral stuff that plays into it. So it does make a difference. Bad company ruins good morals. What's the opposite of that? Pick some good company. And good company being defined by those with godly value system. You know, if you spend a lot of time with spineless folks, you know what's probably going to happen? You're probably going to become spineless yourself. And unfortunately, we're often surrounded by folks who cave in, who quit, who compromise, who play it safe as part of their daily routine. But if you want to grow in courage, make a calculated choice to increase your exposure to courageous folks. Among the ways you can do that, very simply, get involved in a Bible study group, like Sunday Table Talks starting next week on Christians in a Woke World. Or maybe spend some time helping with, with groups like our Braille bookmark makers and our quilt makers here, Bethesda Thrift Shop volunteers, youth chaperones. The list goes on of things that, that you can do not only here, but in our community. You can read autobiographies about courageous folks, people who have done stuff because of their faith, articles about courage. And Bible stories like Moses, Daniel, Esther, Paul, all these guys. Remember, they, was, they were pretty much chicken in their life, and yet they did courageous things because God was with them, even though they weren't comfortable in doing it, but they trusted God. So read about those guys. Even though petrified oftentimes, they went ahead in faith, and as a result, they grew, and God used them. And finally, you grow in courage as you allow your mind to be transformed from a worldly perspective and value system to a godly one. That's the way Paul said it in Romans 12. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of what? Culture. What's going on around you. You, you, you look at it. There's some great things that are going on. I'm not anti-culture by any means. 
some wonderful things and advances that are going on. But you better be some discernment involved in which things you look at and which you're going to emulate. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, those patterns that push you away from God. Allow your mind to be transformed. What great advice. Because it does take courage to buck cultural trends in which we live, the pattern of this world. Well, sooner or later, you begin to understand the centrality of courage in all walks of life. You see, courage in, is, not, is not an isolated or optional character quality, my friends. Courage is foundational to being a Christian. Here's some good news about that. Paul, talking to a young pastor, Timothy, uh, he reminded him and us by extension, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He doesn't want us to go around with our head in the sand. But a spirit of power. I like that. Power. You and I have power. You know that? We got power in us to be courageous because who lives in us? God. Not because we're strong in and of ourselves, because we're not, are we? God's power became your power the day of your baptism. You became one of his own special and precious children on that day. And you've grown in God's power and courage each time you feed it. You're nourished in our worship experience, participation in the Lord's Supper we're going to do in just a moment, in our time with courageous people around us. You grow in your power and courage as you spend time with your loved ones, strive for a life of obedience to Christ. God's power is with you. That's the promise. With you. When you choose to be moral and build significant relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your friends. Courage, my friends. We all need it. And God wants us to have it. As we begin this new year, may God grant you and me a courageous and power-filled life today and throughout the new year. Happy New Year. Amen.